where I grew up, we hardly ever locked the doors. I don't know about you right now um, or you 20 years ago. I don't know if there came a point in time where you're like, we should probably lock our doors and we didn't, or you're just always like, we always lock our doors and we always keep people out, even during the daytime. I don't know, like, but where I grew up in Canso, we like never really locked our doors. And so people could just walk in, um, sit at our table and look in our fridge. I don't know, I, I heard when I moved here, uh, actually I moved first to Woods Harbor and uh, like that was a thing where people would come and uh, they'd go in and like look in your fridge or whatever. And so um, where I grew up, that was okay. You could come, even look in our fridge, just walk right in, stroll right in. And when I was growing up, um, we had like the best next door neighbors ever. They're uh, Ron and Joan, and they were related to us, but they were just the best neighbors ever. And it was literally just their driveway that would like, hop, skip, and jump, and I'd be on their doorstep and into their house. And um, the odd time I would actually knock, their door was kind of always open, and the odd time that I would uh, knock on their door, Joan would always get, like, get upset with me. He's like, don't ever knock on the door. She was like, she was wanting to send a message though. She was wanting to tell me, Jason, you are always welcome here and you never have to knock. And they were like the best next door neighbors ever. It was kind of like an open door policy, so to speak. But a lot has happened in our culture since uh, I was a a 15 year old or 10 year old, 20 years later. Um, Even in small communities, there's a lot more fear and concern about things. Um, I noticed that um, Recently, there was a person from uh, Liberty Security kind of going around the neighborhood checking about um, open up security systems in people's homes. And I know some people recently I've chatted with have gotten security systems. And the reason why you get a security system is you, go, you want to monitor who is at your house, who's coming to your door, in particular when you're not there or when you're asleep, because you want to be aware if there's any thieves or robbers. You know, the story of my next door neighbor and the story of the security system is all about being able to process, control, and monitor who has access to your home. So tonight I want to talk about access. And access is all about who can come in and who stays out. You ever been uh, ID'd before at a bar? Silence, okay. Okay. So confession to make, I did, all right? And let's just say I wasn't the legal age. When I was about 17 or 18, my uh, older cousin, I was staying at his place in Port Hawkesbury in Cape Breton, and uh, he was like, we should go to Dooley's and play some pool. And I'm like, sounds good, let's go. But I wasn't 19. So anyways, I, I kind of walked over to the house because it was walking distance to Dooley's, and I walked over, and I walked in. I could see as soon as I walked in the door, I just felt like all the nervous jitters, and I saw this waitress eyeballing me. And she, I can just read her mind right now. I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to go good. So anyway, she walks up to me, and she asked me for ID, and I was like, did the old like pat my pockets. I was like, no, I don't have any. And she turned me away, and I was denied access. Access is all about who can come in and who stays out. And so I want to talk about a story in the scripture about access in John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. If you have your Bibles, if you can read with me or it's going to be up on the screen. John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10, it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So let me talk a little bit about what's going on in this passage of scripture. Anytime you read a passage of scripture, one thing that's really helpful to do is read before what happened in this passage and then read after. So if you rewind the tape in John chapter 10, you go back to John chapter 9. And what happens in John chapter 9? Well, Jesus actually heals a blind man. And there's a story that goes on. There was this man that was born blind from birth and um, he gets healed by Jesus. So Jesus ends up interrogating his parents and his parents don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue or be able to worship because basically the, you know, the interrogation, and it actually says that in the text, they were concerned about giving them a wrong answer because actually they'd be cut off access to God. And so they're like, don't ask us, ask him, okay? So anyways, they end up interrogating this blind man, and this blind man basically goes on to explain how Jesus had miraculously healed him, how he was born blind, Jesus, you know, um, had healed him, and he kind of explained that. And then, long story short, the Pharisees, like, hear the story, but then they ask him for the story again because they didn't believe him. They didn't believe that Jesus actually had done this. And so the, the blind man actually rebukes the Pharisees, which is kind of ironic. And then the Bible says that the blind man was actually thrown out. In other words, he was actually cut off access from the synagogue where he would, would have learned and been taught about the scriptures. He was thrown out. He was cut off access by the Pharisees. So j- that just happened. And understand in your Bibles, the original Bible that we had, it didn't have chapter marks and verses. That's why it's important to always read before. So Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. It says in verse 6 that some of these Pharisees were in the crowd. So it's in the context of this story of Jesus healing a blind man and talking about being cut off from access that Jesus goes on to talk about John chapter 10. He talks about the gate, the shepherd, thieves and robbers, and he's talking about very specific people when he's using these illustrations. In particular, he's talking about the thieves and robbers actually being the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were robbing people of access to God and were actually creating barriers for people to have a relationship with God. So Jesus got a little upset about this. And it wasn't the first time. And so that's kind of what, that's the context of what's happening here in John chapter 10. So Jesus talks about being the gate or the door. And gates and doors were really important in Old Testament and New Testament times. Gates were where all the business happened. Gates were where um, legal matters were settled right at gates in New Testament times, kind of where the walls met and where entrance into the city. But in particular, gates were a, a spot you know, for a sheep pen where sheep could go in and go out. And often, actually, the shepherd himself was the gate. He would lay in front of the door and allow access for the sheep to come in or out. And so we want to talk a little bit about this passage of scripture here tonight. And there's three particular people that, three groups of people that Jesus was kind of talking to in this passage of scripture. Jesus used the word, and he said to them. And oftentimes, Jesus, when he was communicating with people, he was talking to them. He was talking to a diverse group of people at diverse spots in their journey or lack thereof. So in this particular scripture, I want to look, I want to talk about three particular groups that Jesus was actually speaking to. Jesus was speaking to the opposition. Okay? The thieves and the robbers. 
Because verse 6 talks about how the Pharisees, they weren't getting what he was talking about. So Jesus kind of brings it down into a little bit more clearer terms to the Pharisees. So Jesus was speaking to opposition. Jesus was also speaking to people that were just observing. People that were just kind of standing at the back of the room. Just kind of checking things out. They weren't actually adamantly opposing Jesus. Like the Pharisees were always trying to find out a way to trick Jesus or get him to saying something so they could accuse him of blasphemy and put him on trial. That's, you know, that's the opposition. But some people that Jesus spoke to, were, the Jewish people were divided. And that's what it says at the end of this passage of scripture, that the Jewish people were divided. They're saying, this man is demon-possessed. Oh, what, but can a man demon-possessed heal someone that's blind? And so some of the people that were questioning about it, they were just, they were observing. But then you had people, the third group of people, they weren't just standing back observing. They were actually curious. Jesus had really gotten their attention. They think that maybe this Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, you, you've gotten my attention. It's like Nicodemus coming in John chapter 3 in the nighttime. Okay, Jesus, you've got my attention now. How must I be born again? And so Jesus is speaking to a diverse crowd that are all at different spots in the journey. So you've got your opposition over here. If we broke this up into three crowds right here, so you guys are the opposition. You guys are the people that are observing, just checking Jesus out. And you guys are like, man, I got to know more about this Jesus. And so Jesus, on every given moment and every different time he taught, he was speaking to all this crowd. Fun time, right? You get half the third of the room that wants to kill you. Uh, uh, a third of the room aren't sure, 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 aren't sure about you. And you got a third of it that's like actually interested. So that's kind of the task that Jesus has here as he's talking about this passage of scripture. And so from this passage, I want to talk about three different groups of people. And the first people was the opposition. The Bible says, the thieves and robbers actually climb in another way. And so the door is a means of protection. And Jesus says, I am the door. I am the means of protection. And so Jesus is confronting the Pharisees in this passage of scripture. And the security system is actually going off. There's an intruder alert. These Pharisees are denying access to this blind man from teaching and discipleship. And so the security system, which is Jesus, is actually starting to go off. And so the traditions of the Pharisees were actually hindering people from having access to a relationship with God. And so Jesus comes, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus came, is actually to reclaim and redefine his kingdom. Now, some of you may have heard tell of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's where Jesus basically redefines and, and uh, reiterates what the kingdom of God is really all about. He says, you've heard it said, you shouldn't murder. But Jesus said, if, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. He said, it's good, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. See, the Pharisees were all about traditions and outward appearance. But the Bible says, God doesn't look at outward appearance. What does he look at? He looks at your heart, Right? And so Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees to see, like, you're missing it. You're missing the heart. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, you know, you honor me with your lips, but your what? Your heart is far from me. They were all into the traditions and doing the certain things and adding different things to the law. But it was, for them, it was all about control. It was all about padding their pockets. It was all about benefiting them rather than making it easier for people to access God. That's why Jesus was so worked up here in John chapter 10 and throughout John's gospel, frankly. 
It's one of the reasons why Paul wrote the book of Galatians, because in the church in Galatia, they were trying to make it harder for people to actually have a relationship with God. And, and Paul's like, oh, it's like pulling his hair out. He's like, you're making this so much more complicated. And with the same zeal and passion that Jesus had here in John chapter 10, Paul had when he wrote to the Galatians. And Paul used really direct language when he talked to the Galatians. Because he was so frustrated that people were making so many barriers for people to access God. Because there's one way to access God, and that's through the door. And guess who the door is? Jesus. That's it. There's no, like, more hoops or more barriers to walk through. Jesus says, I'm the door. It's me. I am the way to access God. And so Jesus is really passionate about proclaiming that truth and rebuking the Pharisees and saying, listen, you're thieves and robbers. You are literally robbing people from access to God. And that's not going to happen on my watch. He says, I'm the door. I'm the way that people can access the Father. And so the religious people were trying to even tax people to access God. On Thursday night, we started um, our Gospel of John Bible studies have moved into homes now. So if you'd like to actually study the Gospel of John, we actually have two homes and we have maybe even a third one um, starting if we kind of outgrow those two spots. And so if you want to join a Bible study, we'd love to get you connected. Please come talk to us afterwards. But we started this past Thursday night and it was awesome. Our, our group that kind of met over here in Brass Hill. Um, and we talked a little bit about how one of the questions that came up, and that's one of the fun things about Bible studies, you can kind of be interactive and ask questions, is why did Jesus get so mad in the temple? Why did he like make a cord of whips and drive out, you know, flip over tables and drive out people, uh, drive out animals and, and cows and all kinds? Why, why did he do that? It's because the Pharisees and the system that had been built is actually creating a problem with people accessing God. It was making it way more complicated. It was actually taxing people to actually be able to worship. So just imagine for a second, you guys come into Coastal tonight, but you actually couldn't come in and worship and hear the word unless you went and bought a Coastal shirt. Every single one of you. Y'all had to go buy, stop by the merch table before we start the service, and there's a connection people there to make sure before you're seated, you got a Coastal shirt on. And then after this week, you got to go home and burn it. And then next week when you come back to worship, you got to buy another one. And guess who gets all the proceeds? Me and Brett. <laughs> That's literally what was happening in the temple. They were selling pigeons and cows and all these other things, and they were benefiting by people coming from all over to worship. And if they didn't have a sacrifice, they basically had a monopoly on the, on the temple system, on the worship service. And so Jesus was mad. He was mad because people were creating barriers to access God. That's why Jesus was mad. Because they'd made access to God so burdensome. You know what? I think it's hard enough already for people that is in this room to access God. I mean... We all feel unworthy to access God in prayer. We all feel like we never measure up, and so how on earth can we pray? And then there's all the hurt or the misunderstandings, and some of you are here tonight, and you're still, you're back here on the wall. You're not opposed like a Pharisee. You're not here to attack me. At least I hope not. That wasn't a very reassuring laugh. 
but you're back here. And you're checking things out. You're not so sure about this because you've heard what church does to people. And you're not sure you believe in God or believe in this Jesus. Like, why would Jesus let all this bad stuff happen that we're going through right now? Some of you are, some of you are there. And some of you, like, there's just so many barriers between you and God because of all these questions you have and all these struggles you have. So some of you are, are in that spot. And what, what frustrates me is that religious people make it even more complicated for you who are already struggling with how do I pray and is this Jesus for real and should I really put my faith in him? You're already struggling with those questions. And then religious legalistic people create even more barriers saying you can't smoke, you can't chew, you can't hang out with those that do, you got to dress up, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do this. Hear the barriers? Does that sound attractive to anyone? That's what legalism does. It creates all these barriers to try to access God. And Jesus comes back and says, no way, okay? That ain't it. I'm the door. It's just through me. You want access to God? Believe in me. That's it. You don't got to jump through all these hoops. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door. And there's people that are kind of hanging around the pen, hanging around the door. There's people that are observing, that are here, that are just checking things out. You're coming to Coastal because you're just, you're curious. Or maybe because someone drug you here. But you're not at the point now where you're really leaning in. But your body language is more like standoffish. You're checking things out. I mentioned that the Jewish people were divided. The Bible says that the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, Jesus had piqued their interests. They were intrigued. They were near and starting to have some interest. And the thing I love about Jesus is like, when someone had an authentic question and weren't trying to accuse him, he always met that need. He always kind of engaged with people that were genuinely wanting to know more. And notice how much Jesus' teaching in the Gospels actually is answers to questions, even though he doesn't necessarily always answer their question the way they want them to answer it. <laughs> but one of the fears I have as a pastor is that people could come to Coastal and check things out, and be that observer that's standing off and think that they're, they're good. I'm, I'm good with God. I go to church, check that off the list, and I'm okay. That's just, there's such a fine line. There's such a tension here to, to, to walk because some of you are just new in your faith journey. You're just like, I haven't, I've yet to become a Christian, but I'm seriously interested and intrigued. And if that's you, I'm not speaking to you in this moment. Who I'm speaking to in this moment is the people that think they're okay and they're right with Jesus but have actually yet to actually receive him. Because in order for us to actually be a child of God and to be born again as John chapter 3 and be saved as this passage talks about, we actually have to receive Jesus. It's not enough for us to just be around the pen. We got to go through the gate. Does that make sense? You actually have to, in order to get in the pen, you actually have to go through Jesus. 
You can't go through Coastal. You can't go through me. You can't go through your friend. You can't even go through your parent. If your parent is a Christian, there comes a point in time where you have to make your own decision to accept Jesus. You can't go through your parent to get into the pen. You can't go through your parents to come to faith in Jesus. You have to come. You have to believe in your own heart. You have to shift from standing this and observing and saying, no, actually, I think that there's something about this Jesus thing, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in the fact that Jesus died and rose again on my behalf. Because the third group of people are the curious people. They're the people that, that want to enter, and the second group of people are the people that stood near the pen. He who enters by the door, if anyone enters. That means there's people that are not entering. And what I want to speak to you tonight, if you have yet to enter, I want to encourage you with all my heart to enter. Make that conscious choice to receive. Because there's a lot of people in our community, and I'd arguably say in our church, that maybe you believe God, but believing is not enough. You must receive Jesus. You must go through Jesus to enter in. And God would challenge you and say, I, I want to I be in your life, but you've got to make that choice to invite Christ to come near. So have you received Jesus? Have you made that conscious choice to say, Christ, come into my life. I believe you died and rose again. Or are you on the fence or outside the fence? Because ultimately, we have to make that decision. Have we received Jesus? You know, one of the things I found time and time again is that there's a lot of people that are actually ready to receive Jesus, but they don't know what to do, and they don't know how to do it. And so time and time again, there's, as, as God's kind of been working, and, and this is what we believe at Coastal, we believe that God is actively at work in every single one of your lives. Every single one of you, God's Spirit has been at work before you got here, and even in this moment right now, God is at work in you because he loves you. And he's trying to like bring you into relationship with him. He's trying to bring you into access with him, which is why we talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is literally the way we access God. He's broken down every barrier for us so we can enter into a relationship with him. And so where are you at tonight? Are you opposed to the gospel? God has a way of softening people's hearts even there. Are you kind of standing back and observing and just checking things out? God has a way to meet you where you're at and even break down the walls there and, and draw you closer. Or maybe you're at a point right now where God has been working at your heart and you know it's time for you to actually make the decision to receive Jesus. One of the reasons why we give an invitation for people to accept Christ every single service is because we believe that God is already actively at work in your life. Guiding you on your journey helping you to come to that place where you put your faith in Jesus and become a follower of him. And I'm just wondering tonight if maybe tonight is a night where you enter in through the gate, where you actually make that decision to say, Jesus, I receive you. Would you come into my life and forgive me for my sin? You see, the reason why Jesus is the gate in the door is because, not just because he said it, but it's what happens a few chapters later. I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. As we read through the rest of the story of Christ, we understand that Jesus actually suffered on a cross, that his blood was shed, and that because the blood of Jesus shed on our behalf, God actually opened a way for us to enter into the very presence of God. 
that the blood of Jesus washes us from all sin so we can actually enter into the holy presence of God and be forgiven for everything we've ever done wrong. And we can actually have a relationship with God. We can have unlimited access to God if we believe in Jesus. And it's because Jesus died and rose again. Unlimited access to peace, to joy, to comfort, to encouragement, to strength, to divine resources, to purpose, to destiny, to intimacy, to care, to compassion. Like the list never ends. Like unlimited access to unlimited resources. We get it all from this relationship with God. Every single thing that you need is found in this incredible relationship we have with God. And you can't get to the bottom of the well. It just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. God like longs to smash down every barrier that has come up in your life that has hindered your access to God. Jesus wants to tear down every wall. And so much so, he's willing to suffer on a cross to tear down every sin, every mistake, every hurt and every wound, every single thing that would hold you back from relationship with him. Jesus suffered on your behalf for that. He literally broke down the walls for you. And he loves you that much. And he wants to be in you. But you just can't stand outside the door forever. You've got to make the decision. He's saying, will you receive me? I've done it all for you. And I want to give you unlimited access to my father, to me. Will you receive me? Will you believe that I died on your behalf? Will you believe that I rose again from the dead? Would you make a decision to follow me? And in a moment, God forgives in a moment, God adopts. In a moment, God changes us forever. So I just pray in the name of Jesus that God would break down every barrier in this place tonight. Every mental barrier, every spiritual barrier that would hold you back from inviting Christ to come in. And I pray that God would give you the courage in the name of Jesus to make that bold decision tonight. Whether that means coming up to a prayer person and asking them to how do I pray to receive Christ? Or coming to our connection table, or coming to me, or coming right where you're at right now and saying, Jesus, I don't even know how to pray, but tonight I'm believing in you and I invite you to come into my life. So whatever the case may be, Jesus invites you to walk through the door, to walk through him, and to receive Jesus. Would you stand to your feet, please? And would everyone just close their eyes and bow their heads? We have two prayer people that just came up forward here. And if you're here tonight and you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ to come into your life and God is speaking to your heart, please don't hold back. Just encourage you to come up front right now and these two prayer people would love to pray with you to actually invite Christ to come in. So if there's anyone in this room tonight, I just encourage you to step out from your seat and come on up front. We would love to pray for you to receive Jesus to come into your life. And so go ahead and do that at this time if you're feeling led. Anyone here tonight, you're saying, I want to accept Christ to come into my life. Just slip out from your seat. Or maybe you're here and, and you like to talk to, to myself or someone at the connection table. Whatever the case may be, we don't care how you do it. It's just, 
We are consumed with a passion for people to make decisions to receive Jesus. So whatever you have to do tonight, do it. And would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be in your presence and for how your spirit's working. God, would you really move people to make that decision to receive you, Lord? You're an amazing God and you have an ability to draw people to you. So Father, whatever the case may be, whether it's stepping out of their seat, whether it's talking to someone, whatever the case may be, Lord, would you draw people into relationship with you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.